I'm Gentleman Josh Hill. I'm Aaron Jeffrey. I'm Jasmine Jasmus. I'm Mike Malak. I'm Rafael Stop. Tune into Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. John Jones. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. To me, the Lions are the number one rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do their I got a really high fight IQ. For this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. I levels to the shit. So many high level guys. So like the line is crazy. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, no, we're good. See, he's a pro. Welcome to another edition of the Don't Tap Podcast. We are here with none other than your capper's favorite capper, Hub Sports Radio Zone, Billy Briz. Billy Briz, welcome to the show. Uh, for Nick, Nick and I, uh, it's amazing to have you on and, and be able to give your insight, especially from that betting edge. That's something that we're looking to, uh, you know, get a little, gain a little bit more insight into. What up, boys? I appreciate the invite, man. Longtime viewer of the podcast, man. Uh, you know, we got to get back to some money. Aaron Jeffrey let us down last week, so time is of the essence. Uh, Easter Sunday for the folks, we got to put some money in their pockets. And a happy retirement to John Sullivan. Um, as we move on, we look at UFC 287, Pereira versus Adesanya, and really um, a big reason why we're pretty excited to have you on the show is this sort of started as a breakdown podcast. We did angles and sort of looked at tape and everything, but it wasn't as much sort of the betting side of things, and it became that more and more and more as obviously betting became so prevalent everywhere. Um, until it was taken away from us by James Krause for a little while, but it's back in Ontario and Canada, so we're, we're good to go. But uh, we love to be able to get your insight into some lines and and, and feel free, even if we're on a, a prop or whatever else, and be like, look, here's why this one maybe isn't what we want to look at, or here's why, this, yeah, that's a perfect one, let's ride with that. Um, so we definitely want your insight today, and we will start off with the rematch, the rematch of rematch of rematches in Pereira and Adesanya, um, the main event. This is a very interesting fight um, with Adesanya coming in 23-2, and two, Pereira coming in 7-1. and one. Uh, Right now at Betway, you can get Adesanya for minus 125 favorites. And Alex Pereira can be had as a dog for plus 123 at Cool Bets. And, and this is one that I'm going to chime in a little bit on. And This really is a rematch of really a, an opportunity and windows and, and really that's what Pereira is going to be searching for. And the notes that I, I wrote down and watching the last fight, I was so tuned into that fight. And the reason being, I was so scared for that Pereira hook Like we were waiting for that to come. And you're so tuned into watching what, what Adesanya is going to do to stay away from it. And he overloads your system, much like Sanhagen did um, in his last fight. He's throwing feints at you. He's rolling his hips. He's throwing feints from low, high, He's switching his stance. He's changing his direction. He's faking the takedown. He's actually shooting the takedown. He's constantly overloading your system. And with a guy like Pereira, who already has lower volume, he only has a certain amount of windows to land that big shot. And when what Adesanya's trying to do is take those windows away, take those windows away as much as possible and win a decision. That's really what he's trying to do. Unfortunately, Pereira just finds that window eventually. That window's there for him usually later in a fight. Um, those hooks are mean. And the reason why he's able to actually land, he doesn't throw from a normal stance. He doesn't throw his punches back from like an almost like I call like an archery stance where you're pulling back on that punch a little bit. He actually throws him straight up here from he's squared off because he has so much power. He's able to throw shots square. So you, you can you can't really gauge those as well. So it's definitely an interesting matchup. It's going to be a chess match. I think Adesanya really has to lean on this wrestling heavy early 
It needs to happen. It needs to be a focus. And whether it works on Pereira, I don't know. So I'm going to pass this one off. We will start off with the man, Billy Briz. What's your take on this one? Pereira, Adesanya. I, I'm, I'm back and forth on this one. Does Adesanya actually do it and pull up the decision or does he get caught again? Yeah, this fight had me going back and forth, too. I'm actually in uh, Danbury, Connecticut. That's where I've been staying at, uh, home of Glover's gym. I actually had uh, lunch with uh, Alex Pereira's lawyer the other day. And, uh, you know, I exactly had to get to his idea about what he thought about the fight. And I agree with him a thousand percent. I mean, Alex Pereira's cutting a lot of weight to come down the middleweight, man. And uh, sometimes you get fat and happy in life. And uh, sometimes some of those fights start turned into money fights. I mean, he took a glory kickboxing title fight before he signed to the UFC. I mean, I can't imagine how much money he's made. He went from driving into a Volkswagen to driving into a BMW with a beautiful lady. I mean, he's reached the heights of all heights for Alex Pereira. I feel like Israel Adesanya is coming into this fight a little bit motivated. We know Israel Adesanya might have the best fight IQ in all of MMA. Um, I think he has a lot of ways to get this fight a W in his favor. I think that line at minus 150 is very generous. But um, if you're a little bit scared about that, I can honestly see the under four and a half hitting uh, like you're touch touching on. I feel like the only way Alex Pereira wins this fight is by knockout or submission off of his back from an Israel Adesanya takedown. I could see Israel Adesanya getting a takedown using the grappling in the third and fourth rounds, which could make Alex Pereira a little bit tired. Uh, the lawyer told me that uh, he hasn't been – practicing on the ground like that it's been more of striking and going to uh thailand and doing that type of stuff so i feel like uh alex this is the last time that we see him fight at middleweight i think there's bigger fights for him in the future at light heavyweight and heavyweight i think he's looking for the jamal hill money day payday fight he's looking for the year Pakashka money fight he's looking for the john jones fight uh alex Pereira has a lot of things that he can do with the rest of his career i feel like Ezra adesanya we know what he wants to do he wants to be the middleweight champion again okay nick yeah, yeah, I'm like everybody else on this one, man. Like it's you kind of go back and forth on it. The thing with Israel Adesanya is he kind of fought the perfect fight in the last one and still got clipped. And I feel like that's where I'm hesitant to pull the trigger on it. I agree with what Billy said. I think Pereira, he even talked about heavyweight and you know what he can do up there and everything like that. So it's not like he wants to stick around in this division. Um from a betting perspective on this fight, I think I'm personally gonna stay away from it just because. You know, it's kind of like what we saw with Usman, right? Like, you kind of want to see where they're at and where they're coming back with. I think that Izzy should win this fight. I think he should regain his title. And um, the only play that I've looked at on this fight is knockout only prop at minus 160 on DraftKings. Because I think, as you guys both pointed out, that if Alex Pereira wins, it's going to be by finish. So, and then if he doesn't, and then if Izzy wins a decision, you get your money back at the end of the day. So, that's the only real prop I've looked at of this one. The one number I don't have in front of me, but I know it is a stark number, is the immediate rematch. Um, it doesn't play well for the, the former champion. So that is the only thing that's sort of like, that's where these storylines play off with narratives and and really how it's going to play out. But I mean, Pereira finding that chin has been the consistent storyline, right? That's the finality, I think. So yeah, I think it's I think three and 12. Be- I think it's yeah. three and 12 for champions regaining the title. So it's yeah, not a very favorable number. In that last one, man. Uh, my question for you guys is, 
Um, since we know Israel Adesanya is going to wrestle a little bit more than what the odds makers are expecting, do you think there's value in any of these submission props or any of these fighters? I mean, fight the end by submissions plus 950. People call that crazy, but I mean, I think if Alex Pereira, there's two ways Alex Pereira finishes this fight. Either by knocking Israel Adesanya like he did last time or throwing up a submission off of his back because he doesn't get up from off the takedowns. So... Do you think Israel Adesanya get a rear naked choke? I mean, that's what I would, man. I, I was the same way I was thinking Holly Holm, um, rear naked choke, and it actually almost happened. I, I could see, like, you know, he, he lands a couple of shots up top after taking him down in the wrestling situation. You know, although Pereira is better on the ground in the jiu jitsu, the black belt becomes a blue belt real quick with an elbow, turns, gives up his back. Uh, a lot of guys can sink a rear naked choke, it doesn't take too much to, to sink that. So, uh, yeah, I can see it. Ends in submission. That's that's an interesting one. That's uh, that's like a Lambo type play. I like that one. Yeah, plus nine fifty on Fanduel. I mean, if you're playing this fight, I mean, it's worth a couple sprinkles. I mean, we're gonna be watching a fight at one o'clock in the morning going into Easter Sunday. <laughs> How do you not throw some plus monies out there? Um, because I'm a little bit scared of these round props. Uh, I don't see this fight going to the championship rounds. I mean, if you rewatch that fight, I feel like it's around Sonya. Let that fight uh, have a little bit more time at the end of the first round. He could have probably finished Alex Pereira in the same exact case scenario for Alex Pereira. I, th I felt like that was an early stoppage. What is fight doesn't start round four? Because um, I think that is also one narrative, too, that Adesanya comes out a little more aggressive, um, doesn't wait, and doesn't um, try to out chess match and just goes for it. Um, that, that's I'll possible. give you a better price tag. Uh, fight doesn't start round five, plus 102. Hmm. I like that. I think that's going to have to be a podcast play. Um, I like that one for sure. All right, let's move on to the next fight on the card. We have Gilbert Burns, 21-5-0, coming up against George, uh, Jorge Masvidal, 35-16-0. Right now, the favorite, one of the heaviest favorites on the card. We can have Gilbert Burns at minus 450 at Sports Interaction and Jorge Masvidal plus 400 at Cool Bets. And I heard the retirement word. Um, every time you hear that word, whether it's like I'm thinking about it a couple fights from now, if it's in your head and you got the money and you're already on a losing streak and you really, uh, I'll be honest, I saw something today where he hasn't beat a welterweight since like, what is it, 20, it's a 2016, I don't even know what it was. He, he hasn't beat a welterweight that, that anybody he's beaten isn't in the UFC right now. Anybody he's beaten in the past like five years. So Jorge Masvidal sort of at this point is just faded. It's just his name value that's there. We know what Gilbert Burns is going to do. Um, Gilbert Burns is going to be able to actually press him up against the cage, either finish him on the feet there or take him down and potentially sit him. Um, the line's obviously too wide to bet this straight up, but it is a good parlay piece, I think. I don't think – I mean, Jorge Masvidal may be a, a puncher's chance in that situation. That's about it. Um, but I will let you take this one away, Nick. What do you think uh, Jorge Masvidal had a chance, or does Gilbert Burns, do we go that route with props Gilbert Burns, or we just uh, parlay him up in a parlay for the week and call it a day? Well, I definitely think the line is a little bit wide. Like, I think if you look at Jorge Masvidal, although he hasn't been winning fights, in his fights against Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman, he did defend about 50% of the takedowns or more that were sent his way. And I kind of credit those fighters as being better wrestlers than Gilbert Burns. I think people are putting a little bit too much stock in what he did to Neil Magny, given Neil Magny's age and where he's at in his career and stuff like that. It was definitely a step down in competition. Um... I don't think Masvidal wins this fight, don't get me wrong. But I think you can do, as you said, like he's a good parlay piece. This is towards the end of the card. And if this is the last um, like ticket you have, 
then it's you can attack us from a live betting perspective too. Because if you see that Gilbert Burns isn't landing those takedowns and Masvidal is starting to you know get himself away from the cage and start to land his shots at plus four ninety, like that line isn't going to drastically drop, right? So you can definitely jump in on Masvidal if you see the tide kind of starting to turn from that. But as you said, minus four ninety is not really playable from a money line perspective unless you do parlay it. And mentioning uh, Masvidal's takedown defense, right now he's sitting with a 74% takedown defense. And if it stays on the feet, then there's two guys that can slang dynamite. Then it's a pick em. Interesting take. Really? Yeah, um, I got a, I think I got a different take than everybody else on this fight. Um, I think Shri Jesus could resurrect himself. I mean... If there's if there if you kind of like match these two fighters up, I think there's a huge discrepancy between the boxing between these two fighters. I think Yorhei Masvidal could piece the shit out of Gilbert Burns if this was just a striking fight, and I don't think Gilbert Burns is the type of wrestler that he's faced of recent of Kobe Covington and Kamara Usman. Those guys are pure American folk style wrestlers that are going to press you up against the cage, go for a single leg, double leg, chain wrestle you for a whole entire 25 minutes. That's not Gilbert Burns' type of game, man. He's more of a jiu-jitsu type of guy. Maybe he'll take down to the ground, but he's more of a type of guy that will take a couple chances, and those chances might be the chances that get Jorge Masvidal in this fight. I know there's a retirement word hovering around Jorge Masvidal's name for this fight week, which kind of throws a huge red flag. I mean, the game bread promotion, I mean, that's taken off, man. I mean, you guys got guys in the UFC like Bo Nickel now that came out of that promotion. I mean, we saw that card last week. Rory Jones Jr. versus Anthony Pettis. Mazadol making some bread, and it's not in the UFC right now. So I could definitely understand the hesitancy for Jorge Mazadol here. But we're getting Jorge Mazadol in his backyard. I think motivation is going to be 10 out of 10. But also, this is Gilbert Burns' backyard. He trains down there in Florida, too. But I think the fans are going to be happy when that Miami Will Smith comes on and Jorge Mazadol walks down the aisle, man. He's going to forget all the retirement words. Um Things I like in this fight, I mean, can Street Jesus stay in here for 15 minutes? I definitely think he has the capability to. I mean, this, this is the same as that guy that took a fight on short notice and flew half across the country from Las Vegas to Abu Dhabi against Kabar Usman when he had two knees and he went 25 minutes and he had a horrible weight cut. I mean, I, I definitely think Yurahe Mazadal is a live dog in this spot. But I think the best bet on this fight, uh, you might have to grab your juice box for this one. I like the over one and a half rounds on Betway at minus 200. Um, I definitely think this goes over one and a half rounds. And I definitely think Jorge Mazadal is live enough to get a knockout here. If you're telling me Jorge career in Miami with a some type of crazy finish over Gilbert Burns, would I be shocked? No, man. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen in Miami. And for the narrative street, you know the UFC just partnered up with the WWE. We're about to see a crazy fucking narrative scripts coming out this year, man. I like the take. It's a, it's a hot take. And honestly, man, if it stays on the feet, like it, it was sort of set up there, it, it does become a pick and then you're – Looking the way they broke that down, Masvidal does have a very solid chance that way. So, I think the biggest question for Jorge Masvidal is uh, how good is his takedown defense really? Because I mean, it will definitely be tested in this one. It will only 100%. take probably Gilbert Burns two or three takedowns to probably get a submission. But I mean, Masvidal has good submission defense uh, early on in his regional scene career before he went on the Street Jesus run. Before he did that reality TV show thing, uh, he was getting a lot of finishes by submissions and stuff like that. I mean, Masvidal is a sneaky jujitsu game himself. I, I, I really don't. I think this is the widest 
On, I, I don't understand this line at all. I would bet Gilbert Burns if it was minus 275 or minus 300, but minus 500 on Gilbert Burns and going up, I think this line closes at like minus 600, minus 650. And if that's the case, I guess I'm walking to the ticket with the Jorge Mazadal and uh, Adesanya Parley and hoping for the best, right? Well, Nick's, uh, Nick's saying if it stays on the feet, it's a pick him, and then you're lining it up that way. And then the, as the line gets wider and wider, fuck, this might be a play. All right, next fight on the card. We have a striker's delight. I'm I'm excited for this one. We got Rob Font, 19-6-0. Um, the dog coming in plus 155 at Caesars. Adrian Yanez, 16-3-0 favorite, minus 167 best bet can be had at Cool Bet. Um, man, this is going to be a fun one to watch. I want to look at some of the striking props on this one to see the over and unders on that because that's going to be interesting. I think this stays on the feet. I think this could go to decision. Um, and it's just going to be a striker's delight. We're going to watch fun, fun boxing match. Um, I will let you take this one away, Billy, first. Rob Font, Adrian Yanez, who edges this one? Are we starting to see the decline in Rob Font? I mean, he just hasn't looked the same. I mean, I know he's only the age of 35, which isn't too old for Bantamweight. But, I mean, against Cheeto Vera, man, I mean, it looked like – Volume-wise, game plan-wise, he executed his game plan, and he still ended up losing the fight. And it feels like the same exact scenario for the Aldo fight before, and he lost both of those fights by you-name decision. I feel like Adrian Yanez could be one of those type of guys, though, that I end up falling in love with a little bit too early. I mean, he hasn't lost for me yet. I mean, how do you not like the guy? I mean, he's won on Dana White Contenders Series, undefeated so far in the UFC. I'm only getting minus 175 of a price tag for him. I mean, it's hard not for me not to bet Adrian Yanez this week, but it is one of those type of scenarios, though, where we start falling in love with these guys in the UFC, and then they start getting that step up in competition, and then they don't look like the same guy. Uh, that I once remember, I started getting Alexander Alexander Romanov deja vu when I uh, talk about scenarios like this. Uh, one guy that I, like I, I feel like it's one of those type of scenarios. Giannis is taking that step up in competition. I think this is the right step up in competition. I think he wins this fight. Um, I think the best bet on this fight would probably be Adrian Giannis by decision. I think Rob Font's tough enough to stay the 15 minutes, but I'm not going to get cute on this one. I like Adrian Giannis a lot, but on the money line. Uh, I'm thinking about just playing that straight for the main card and let that be like the real anchor for the weekend. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think this fight could play in the judges' eyes maybe a little bit closer than it actually is, just from Giannis' style with his boxing and how he slips sort of like Bobby Green. It looks like he's getting hit at times, but he's slipping the punch completely. So sometimes that plays into effect, if you, depending if you have a judge out there that's not really boxing savvy or as boxing savvy. Um but yeah, no, I'm I'm heavy on Giannis, and or not heavy on Giannis, but I think Giannis does win this one. But uh, it's definitely a step up in competition. It's a a good show, like it's a show me spot for him in the sense that this is the level. Like once he's hit this level, we'll know he's really that real deal or not. Um, so you're definitely right on that one, Nick. What's your take? Yeah, I'm on uh, Giannis pretty high on this one as well. Um, I think the best way to play this is the over two point five is only minus one twenty five. I agree with what Billy said. I see this going 15 minutes. If you look at the way that Rob Fonka dropped against Aldo and Vera and still didn't get finished, I think it's kind of a, a leap to say that, you know, that he's on the same level as guys like Tony Kelly that are no longer in the UFC. And you saw in like the Randy Costa fight where he got pieced up real bad in the first round. So depending on how Rob Fonka comes out, if he comes out throwing the same amount of volume and kind of str- and uh, Yanis kind of struggles to keep up with him, 
then you could be on the wrong side of a bad decision. So I think the over 2.5 minus 125 is my favorite look on this one. And from a money line perspective, I do pick Giannis as well. I didn't even notice the props for this fight, but I think Nick just hit the nail on the coffin. I mean, over two and a half minus 120 is a better price tag than Adrian Giannis straight up. And I definitely see this fight. These are two tougher warriors. I mean, we know Font has five-round fight experience, and we know Adrian Giannis is a slow starter. I mean, that would be the only hesitancy of betting him at minus 175. I mean, he started off very slow against Davey Grant and in some other fights I remember. But uh, I, I definitely am Man, I think the over two and a half, that's the sweet spot. Minus 120. Like it. All right, podcast play. I like it. <laughs> Next point of the card, we have Kevin Holland, 23-9-0, and 0, minus 245, best bets at DraftKings. Um, Santiago Pontanibio, 29-6-0, plus 225 at CoolBet. And the one thing that strikes me with this fight is both these guys have such similar records. And even the strength of schedule is pretty similar as far as the level of fights that these guys had. But the one thing about Ponzinibbio is he's been around since 2013. And I'm just wondering, he's been in so many wars, oh, stretched over a period of time, that what goes into that is also long training camps, um, you know, sparring and, and the, the work that he's done. It sort of scares me if it's a retirement fight for him, to be honest. I think this might actually be a retirement fight for him. Um but that being said, I mean, Kevin Holland and what he did in his last fight in the fight IQ he showed is staying on the feet um, against Wonderboy just made no sense to me. I don't think he's going to do that again. I don't think he's going to play the same game. Um, this one's really more of a, a stay off for me because I, I think I know Nick's potentially on the side of the dog, um, but I'm going to stay away from this one. I will let you take it away, Mr. Billy Briz. What's your take on this? Ponsonibio, Holland. Does Holland. Um, this is a very. This is a. This is a very, very tough fight. I feel like uh, the type of fighter you want to feed Kevin Holland with is the type of person that's going to push the grappling and go in there and go get takedown. I feel like the times I faded Kevin Holland, it's been pretty easy, man. I mean, the Kamzat Chimaev, Martin Vittori, Derek Brunson, all those fights were pretty binary. But, I mean, Ponzinibbio is a hell of a striker, man. I mean, regardless of uh, how old Ponzinibbio will be, I think uh, the only – advantage that Kevin Holland has is really just youth and speed. But I think a big factor that isn't really played into uh, the betting line is uh, Kevin Holland have a healthy hand. How much training did he do for this camp? I mean, he broke his hand against TV Wonderboy Thompson not that long ago. If you watched his podcast, a lot of his podcasts of recent has hands wrapped up. I have a question of how much work did Kevin Holland put into this camp? Is he taking Ponzinibbio for granted? I think Kevin Holland's going to try to push the pace. I think he's going to try to get this done inside a distance because I think uh, Ponzinibbio, if you let him hang around for 15 minutes, ask Alex Morano how that went in the last fight. Um, I definitely think there's line value on the dog here. Uh, this is one of the scenarios where uh, in MMA, I'm starting to add this into the cap a little bit. We know the injury news. We know Kevin Holland's hand isn't 100% healthy. If he's not 100% healthy taking this fight, I just got to blindly bet Ponzinibbio, man. Um, I think there's a, a pretty solid way to look in, and play this, and it sort of plays into the narrative of what you're saying. If he if it stays on the feet, and I mean, Ponzinibbio will take down defense 60%, but if it does stay on the feet, um, Ponzinibbio's style, he pressures forward, he marches forward, he cuts through these dynamic um, style strikers like butter. Um, if he can march forward and pressure and pressure and then get Colin to throw one punch, if that hand gets compromised at any point and he can't get it to the ground, if the hand gets compromised, you can't clasp to get a, a double leg. 
you can't, you can't, when you get your hands around, you're trying to grab both hands. Um, it's going to be hard for him to do if his hand is compromised. But that being said, maybe in that scenario, Kevin Holland goes early for a takedown and a sub. That's also another angle and a way to look at this if there is a compromised situation. But um, I like the Pontinevio as a dog as a simple play. I think that uh, Nick and you are both sort of leaning that way, but I'll let Nick run his breakdown of what he saw as well too. Yeah, Pontinevio was one of the dogs. I when I looked at this card, I was pretty heavily on. I just find with Kevin Holland, as you said, man, like golden rule of this podcast is you fade poor fight IQ. And with Kevin Holland, you know, he kind of has that, like, Nate Diaz approach where he likes to talk a lot during his fight. And, like, it's good and it's entertaining, but it's, like, it doesn't win you a fight, right? So if he's there shaking his hand off and stuff like that, like, just talking shit, like, it's not going to win. If you look at the Morono fight with Pontinibio, right, he got that TKO in the third going into that fight down two rounds, right? And throughout that whole fight, stayed to the game plan. Kept landing his kicks, kept landing his punches, knew he'd find a shot. And he's just one of these guys, man, that, you know, win or lose, you can back. I think he'll probably be pretty heavy on the kicks just because of the Holland does have a relatively large reach advantage. I think his boxing is a little cleaner and I think it's a little bit tech, uh, a little bit more technical. So I don't necessarily know if he finds a shot, but at plus 265, I don't think you really need to reach for props in this one if you're riding with the dog. So I think he's uh, going to be able to outclass Holland. And as everybody's saying, man, that hand, there's no way it's 100%. There's no way, like the way the human body works. There's no way that hand is a hundred percent. I it's just like I'm with kind of with what Colin was saying about Ponzinibbio retiring, but it's like he silenced the haters the last fight, man. Yeah, and if you look at it, um, Ponzinibbio lands five more or five strikes per minute, um, and Holland lands four strikes per minute. Holland sort of playing that outside game and trying to land. Um, what he can a little bit, obviously a little bit defensive, uh, more defensively sound on the feet, um, where Ponzinibbio sort of gets tagged a little bit more. Um, he's absorbing about 4.65 strikes per, but does have a chin and can't press through. So if the hand is compromised, I mean, you know what you guys have sold me. Nick was already trying to sell me on this already as far as the dog. Um, and you guys are both on the same side and we are finding the dog of the week, Ponzinibbio. All right. Next part of the card, we have Raul Rosas Jr., 7 0 and 0 minus 225, 18 year old Betway favorite. Um, we have Christian Rodriguez coming in 8 1 and 0 plus 190, bet 99. Dog. Um, I mean, Christian Rodriguez is last time out submitted Joshua Weems. Uh, looked pretty good doing it, but Joshua Weems is not Rosas Jr. And while this kid sort of scares me in the fact that he's so young and so confident and is that good, there's going to be a point where he goes up against competition that's a step up. He's going to think he's going to dominate. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but right now, he's just going to likely run through Christian Rodriguez. The line's pretty decently wide, but I, I'm probably going to stay off this one just because this kid's still in a show-me situation for me. It's just it's volatile. It's 18 years old, scares the shit out of me. Um, when you have a hockey team that's or, or a basketball team that's young, emotions get in the way, and you can lose a, lose a game or lose a fight real quick. So... Young and uh, inexperienced for me, I'm going to step back. I know he has the amateur experience and everything else, but what's your take on this one, Nick? Take it away. Yeah, so this is another one of these fights, man. Like, putting value on a kid that's 18 years old, man, this is where I get a little bit dicey with it, right? Like, I definitely think he has the ability to come in here and be Rodriguez. Um, I feel like this is a tailor-made fight with uh, Christian Rodriguez. He, You know, he got taken down like four or five times in his first fight in the UFC. But, you know, it's just, it's tough, man, because if this stays standing, it's like we're kind of talking about with Jorge Masvidal. 
and Gilbert Burns. Like, if this stays on the feet, then Rosa Jr. is going to get pieced up. So I think there's one of these fights where we kind of just have to see how well Rosa's doing and where he's kind of at. You know, as I said, man, 18-year-old kid, doesn't have a lot of experience. Like, UFC is kind of pushing him in a pretty heavy direction. So this isn't a fight that I really want to have much action on. Um, I'll take Rosa as a side, but this is a no play for me. Really? Yeah, the fight. I mean, I know everybody shits on Rojas Jr. about being 18 years old, but I mean, if anything, I feel like for MMA, I feel like we're going to start seeing more 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids start coming up out of high school wrestling because why would you go wrestle in college? For what? Go to school for four years? It's not like they're paying college wrestlers right now. I mean, maybe with the new NIL deal, maybe stuff will change. But, I mean, you start seeing it in the NBA. These kids are 19, 20 years old, absolutely hooping, putting up 25, 30. So I feel like the MMA world is starting to adapt to the rest of these major sports leagues and how they're starting to run their business. But outside of narrative theory alone, I'm going to trust Sean Shelby and the guys here that they have a talent in Rojas Jr. While I know Christian Rodriguez isn't no run through over, I mean, the kid's only 25 years old his damn self. I feel like that kid's pretty unexperienced. I mean, granted, he's looked good in the fights that we've seen him fight, but I feel like the level of competition isn't that far off from Rojas Jr. I mean, he's fought Joshua Weems. Jonathan Pierce would probably be the best fight by a wide margin. Everybody else, I'm not really too impressed about on his record. I feel like uh, Jonathan Pierce throughout that fight was able to get takedowns. It shows that Rojas Jr. is able to get takedowns. It's going to be a quality win. It isn't going to be as easy of, as the Jay Perrin win was. Everybody thought there was line value on Jay Perrin, and Rojas Jr. made Jay Perrin look like he was not ready for the UFC or if he was not UFC talent. And uh, I think Rojas Jr., do I want to put him as my top of my parlay piece this week? I don't know, man, but I could definitely see uh, my parlays this weekend ending out with Rojas Jr. on the pay-per-view. Um, you see the UFC do this time and time again. They had Bo Nickel on uh, one pay-per-view with John Jones. He started off the pay-per-view. Um, I feel like the UFC knows what they have in the talent of Rojas Jr. I'm not going to try to overthink it. Uh, my guy, MMA Jewish, better. I know he's going to the window down there and uh, like Charles and betting the shit out of Christian Rodriguez. But I think Rojas Jr. is legit, man. I think he's going to win this fight by submission. Uh, that would be the prediction on this fight would be Rojas Jr. inside a distance, and we're going to start seeing the highlight tape starting to come together. Yeah, definitely a great breakdown. And I, I think it's for us, it's not necessarily this matchup that you think is anything to worry about, but it's just, yeah, it does scare me, man. Just having someone so young, but you are right. The level of the kid is that great. But I just what I want to see is, when he's extended on the feet for time, what that looks like. Once I can see that, I feel a lot more confident and everything. So hopefully we get to see that this fight. That would be great. We get it for free. He, he gets a win, extends for a little bit, even in the first round, uh, stays on the feet for a I bit. I think the question of uh, Kim Rojas Jr. take a clean punch to the face will be answered very early on in this fight. Fair enough. And, I mean, his ability to be able to scramble in those situations and keep his head about him um, is going to be the important thing, right? That'll be show the fight IQ and, you know, the seasoned work that he's done even at a young age. So – we shall find out, and we shall move forward, actually. Next fight on the card, and we will jump now. We have Kelvin Gastelum coming in 17-8-0, plus 115. Best bet can be had at Sports Interaction. Chris Curtis, 39, 30 wins, 9 losses, 
um, and minus 111 best bet or best um, line to be had at ProLine. So if we look at this is actually one of the first early bets that I had placed. Uh, I was on the wrong side of the line early, so it's a bad placement because I wasn't sure, sure exactly how this was going to be viewed. Uh, minus 110 um, for Chris Curtis was the initial line that I, it's been going back and forth. You can get plus money this. Um, but if we're looking at it, Kevin Gastelum has lost five of his last six fights. And yeah, I know it is at the highest level that he's lost these fights. Um, but man, I just can't see how you can build momentum and build confidence to come into a win against a guy like Chris Curtis, who's going to work the body early, who, who sticks to the course, who sticks to the game plan, um, is willing to work that body and invest early and even take some shots. And maybe that looks that like great in the judges uh, eyes early. And then he goes to work. Once you start to gas, he starts to lay into you. And I just don't know if Gashlin goes to the wrestling. I mean, he's only really, I think he lands about one, one takedown recently per fight. So I, I just don't know. I think Curtis's takedown defense is already solid enough as it is. It stays on the feet. I'm with Chris Curtis in this one. I like value on Chris Curtis in this one. Um, I know a lot of people are sort of staying off this one with Gashlin as a question, but um, I'm going to go with Curtis. And I, I think who went first last time? Doesn't matter anyways. Billy, take it away. Yeah, this is a weird fight, man. I mean, like, Chris Curtis uh, is is the betting darling, I feel like, in this fight. And nobody wants to bet Kevin Gaslam. But I think the line value here uh, – actually, this line flip. Um, I thought Kevin Gaslam was the underdog. I think Kevin Gaslam wins this fight. Um, regardless of the line, I'm not going to let it skew how I cap the fight. I think Gaslam has more ways to win this fight than Chris Curtis. Uh, one big red flag for Chris Curtis, just off the eye test for me, is his volume of recent, man. Even in that Joaquin Buckley fight, before you got that knockout, it felt like you were screaming at the television, Curtis, throw more, throw more. You know you can beat this guy. And then it feels like uh, some of that fight from the Jack Manson fight, I, I thought that fight was just a short-notice fight for him, and he just looked a little bit hesitant. He flew halfway across the country short-notice. I, then he was in the Joaquin Buckley fight against a guy that he used to train with, so there's got to be some added confidence. And he doesn't really throw a lot of volume. Hey, we know Kevin Gaslam's going to go for it. He's going to throw a lot of volume. Kevin Gaslam knows, we know, the UFC knows he's lost five out of the last six fights. I think Kevin Gaslam's going to go for it, and I think Kevin Gaslam's going to surprise some people this week. I think his hand gets raised at the end of this fight. Uh, I like Chris Curtis when he's in Las Vegas or something like that, not over here in Miami. I think the Kevin Gaslam train, uh, I think I think he gets the ball back rolling here. I don't think he'll be a legit contender in the division. I think this is uh, – the tier that Chris Curtis can't overcome in this division. I think there's a uh, talent difference between these two. I like Kevin Gaslam here. I don't know if I'm going to play the line, though, at minus 135. Uh, Landon, Kevin Gaslam. But I feel like uh, Vegas is telling you everything you need to know. We always say this in basketball. When, like, the Spurs – you see the Spurs are only, like, plus two. You're like, I mean, I guess Vegas is telling you everything you need to know. I can feel like Kevin Gaslam's a favorite for a reason. He's going to beat Chris Curtis over 15 minutes. And I actually remember that even with Chris Curtis, I remember just sort of yelling at the screen like, man, like stop chasing him down, cut him off, find him. Um, the one thing I will point out, though, with the strikes um, based on, I think it's based on five fights we have. Um, we look at Chris Curtis, 5.82 strikes landed per minute, Gashlam 3.53, and it is a matchup thing. And more recently, um, Curtis has, his volume has dropped off. So this is a little bit skewed if people are actually looking at the numbers. Um, but the one thing that both of them do is they both get hit. There's no defense in striking. They're both 
willing to go in there and bang and they're both willing to hit. Um, Curtis basically is good to get hit um, more than he actually lands. And Basham's a little bit more defensively sound. Um, so it's yeah, one more thing I want to add about Chris Curtis, man. Is he one of those type of fighters that falls into the scenario where it takes him so long to get to the UFC? They finally get to the UFC. He's on a second contract. He's fat. He's happy. He's got paid. His family's cool. His money's in the bank account. He's a smart guy. He invests. I, I, I don't think Chris Curtis is the same as that guy that came into the UFC from the regional scene that we saw in PFL. I don't think he's the same guy anymore. Yeah, and for me, it's going to be a hard one to to cut. At the end, it could be a split decision. Um, still on the Curtis side of things, but we will lean to Nick. What's your take on this one? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely lean with Chris Curtis, but I can understand why people go the other way on this one. For me, Chris Curtis is one of these guys that, like, he's like Josh Emmett to me. Like, he's one of these guys that has cashed so many tickets for me, even whenever people have counted him out, that, you know, I, I just can't not auto-bet him. Um, I think – Whenever it comes down to this fight, I think it's, as you guys both pointed out, both guys have been kind of low volume. So I think it's going to come down to the second or third round. I don't expect this to be an overly exciting fight. I think it's going to be relatively slow paced. Um, if you want to get a little greasy with it, the split to, uh, split decision prop is plus 425 on DraftKings. If you want to get some decent plus money on how this is going to go. Um, but I do have a bet on Chris Curtis at plus 110 after the line flipped and one bet on Chris Curtis uh, by decision at plus one or at plus uh, 230. Yeah, I think but I read that line. I think I that, read that uh, line wrong. I think uh, Billy had corrected it. What's the line currently sitting at right now? I uh, got plus, minus 135. Yeah. On DraftKings, I have minus 125 plus 105. So it's in that minus 125, minus 135 range for gasoline. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I just flipped the lines around. Okay. Next fight on the card. We have Michelle Watterson Gomez coming in 18, 10, and 0, plus 145 dog, best bet at Cool Bet. Luana Pinero, 10, 1, and 0, minus 163 favorites at Betway. Um, I mean, really with Watterson comes in more of a striking style. She's been around for so long. Now we're really leaning on the wrestling. I was looking at a potential prop for a takedown. Probably not the most takedowns, though, because Pinero actually is landing about four takedowns per fight versus Watterson's one. So this should be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of grappling along the cage uh, in this fight. It, but for me, I don't know. I know you were sort of leaning a little bit with Watterson, um, Nick, but I this this might could be a stay off for me, but I will potentially look at Waterston one takedown, depending on what that line is. So I think she could potentially get a takedown in this fight, and I think she'll be looking for it uh, to get top position because that's where I think she wins this fight if she does. Um, what is your take on this one, Nick? Take it away. Yeah, I slightly lean Waterston in this fight. If you look at the people that Luann has been facing, it's super low-level competition. And with Waterston, although she hasn't been winning the fights as of late, She's definitely been facing a high level of competition. Um, I think stylistically, whenever she comes in, she has that kind of stand back karate stance. She's not somebody who chases finishes, nor is she somebody that puts herself in compromising positions. Luana likes to rush in, you know, she lands a lot of strikes, shoots for takedowns, but that can lead to a questionable gas tank. So I like Watterson to kind of piece her up in this fight, avoid the takedowns, maybe land one of her own, and ride this one out to a decision. But it's going to be close. So, like I was what do you think about a, maybe a Watterson live bet? 
Because, I mean, she's already dog money. Do you think the Niero does, comes out and looks real solid in the first round? And yeah, man. After the first round, you may get a better line on Watterson, and Watterson can just take over. She's one of these fighters that's super aggressive in the first round. Okay. Billy? Yeah, uh, Luana Pinero is one of my uh, darlings, man. Uh, I found out about her on the Dana White Contender Series a couple years ago, and this girl absolutely fucking wrecks people, man. I've never seen anybody fight like this. She fights like a fucking dude. She fights better <laughs> than her husband, Mateus Nicolau. She comes out here in the first round of the like regional team fights. Granted, these girls aren't that good, but she's just flatlining these people. Left hand, right hand, striking's good. The wrestling's good. She's really explosive. I think there's a huge athleticism uh, difference between these two fighters. And I think Luana Pinero has the wrestling chops to uh, be able to get Michelle Waterson to the ground. I mean, we saw Amanda Lamos go in there and made Michelle Waterson look real old. Uh, I mean, Michelle Waterson, granted, uh, she's a known face in the company, but 18 and 10, uh, not a, not really that too high on her. She's only 6-6 six and six in the UFC. She's batting 500. Luana Pinero is a uh, darling of the UFC. They're trying to build up the hype train, and I'm on the hype train here. I mean, look, the inside the distance props for Luana Pinero this weekend are way too high. Uh, Luana Pinero is going to put people on notice that she's a legit contender in this division. Uh, Pinero to win by knockouts, 12 plus 1,200. Pinero to win inside a distance, plus 350. Pinero to win um, by submission is plus 450. I mean, I endorse all those props. I know the odds maker thinks that. The odds makers think that this fight's going to go the distance. Uh, they have the over two and a half minus three fifty. Fight goes the distance minus two seventy five. But they don't know who Luana Pinero is. This girl is a legit player in this division. She's going to flatline Michelle Waterson. This is the right step up in competition, and I'm more than likely to have a straight play for her as uh, more and more people start playing this Waterson line. And I think it will even go up even more even after weigh-ins. People are going to look at Luana Pinero and be like, "How the fuck is this girl minus one seventy?" It's women's MMA, too. You People blindly bet the dog. Luana Pinero, if this goes down to minus 160, minus 150, it's going it, to – the lower it goes down, the higher my bet stake goes up on this fight. Luana Pinero is legit, man. And the biggest stat to support everything you're saying, 4.76 takedowns per fight. That's huge. That's huge. Okay, right, the only question mark would be the gas tank. I think Michelle Waterson does have a better gas tank. Way more experience, and uh, this is a huge step up in competition. But I mean, do you think this is that far off from the Ronda Marcos fight? I mean, Ronda Marcos is uh, absolutely trash, but uh, she's a tough girl and she's a gritty girl and she's experienced. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, well, it's definitely a good comparison. That fight ended weird, though, right? Like, did that fight end in the first round with an illegal off kick? Up, yeah. So it's kind of hard to see. How yeah, that I bring that fight up because I think that was that was a loss. In, in, that could have been a loss for Panero. But yeah, no, yeah. The, the takedown definitely. It's... Yeah, no, it was a win for her because Marcos was the one that upkicked her. But yeah, yeah that fight ended straight. I, I could see. That's why I was more like just on looking to see if there was value in a potential takedown where, where Waters could potentially get a takedown on her in a scramble because she's been pushing the wrestling more and she's looking for it. But. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, for me, I, I could see it going either way at times, depending if it goes longer. I think, you know, I get why Billy's on this so heavy. And then looking at it live, I see where there's value. And actually, if it got extended live, it's a little bit of a gassy situation. From an aggressive approach from Pinero, uh, from Pinero, um, 
So we'll see. Next fight of the card, we have Gerald Mearshart, 35, 15 and 0, plus 170 dog at Caesars. Joe Pfeiffer, 10, 2 and 0, minus 189 at Cool Bets. Uh, no mystery what this is. We have a guy who has power on the feet in Pfeiffer. Um, coming off the Dana White Contender Series, just been dominating people. He does have a strong grappling game and wrestling game as well, too. And everything is done with very powerful moves. Gerald Mearshart, he is the dog darling. He's the guy that stays in the fight long enough, has Season bet has been been able to stay on the feet, um, do what he needs to do to try to get to the ground and run a late submission, which is pretty much an auto bet for almost anybody who watches his fights. It's that third round submission um, or that late finish. But uh, I will let you take this one away, Billy. Does Pfeiffer just do this? Is this is this line warranted? I mean, I'm sort of leaning Pfeiffer on this one as well, too. I don't think that Rearshart uh, wins this one, but I don't know, man. I think the line's I think the line's pretty well right. Uh, pre-warning for the podcast listeners, Joey Bodybag Pfeiffer is from uh, my hometown area, man. He's from South Jersey, so there is a little bit of personal bias for him uh, in my eyes. But um, let's talk about the things I don't like about Jerry Pfeiffer coming into this camp. Since I know this camp a little bit closely well uh, out of Philadelphia, Sean Brady has a groin injury, and he's by far the best wrestler in that camp. While there is good people in that camp like Jeremiah Wells and then uh, – Sean Brady's cousin, Patrick Brady, who's making his PFL debut in a couple of weeks. So he's getting good working, but it's not that Sean Brady wrestling, man. And uh, that's definitely something that uh, is giving me like a red flag coming into this fight because we know what GM3 is going to do. GM3 is sub or bust, and uh, GM3 has been subbing people and making a career living out of it. Most submissions in this weight class, and I believe uh, he would be one more submission away from tying Nate Diaz for uh, the, I think he's fifth on the list in the company for most missions. Um, so I could definitely see this fight playing out two ways. Joey Body Bags knocks this guy out pretty early as GM3 tries to go in for a takedown. Joey Body Bags is really good jujitsu. Um, I could see him knocking him out, or I could see GM3 getting a submission. You would, uh, you would think the under two and a half would be the play in this one, but I mean, you know, the odds makers aren't going to let you make money on the under two and a half in a GM3 fight. I mean, that's already minus 335, so we're probably going to see an under, over under one and a half, and I feel like that's a little bit tricky because I feel like. Uh, there's multiple, there's multiple paths to victory for body bags here. I think you can win a three-round decision by putting more volume up and uh, creating more damage. The way these judges are scoring fights right now, they're scoring damage over the grappling. And uh, Jerry Body Bags has that type of fight style that really fits the judging criteria of recent. But I can also uh, see this going to decision, but I can see Joey Body Bags knocking GM3 out. GM3 doesn't have the best chin ever. I mean, most famously... He comes at Jemai flatlined him in the first 15 seconds. So that's always a factor. I don't think GM3's chin is that good, uh, but he's been cashing as a dog. Uh, I think I would want more plus money on GM3 if I'm betting GM3. I think if you're betting GM3, you would bet GM3 by submission here. Uh, that's plus 350 around the books. I mean, that's always going to be good odds, but value doesn't really pay the bills at the end of the day. The fighter that gets his hand raised does, and I think that's going to be Jerry Bodybags Pfeiffer. Agree, Nick. Yeah, this is definitely once again like one of these little show me spots, and you can tell because if people were that confident in Piper, I think the money would be flying in. The fact that he stayed under minus two hundred this whole time is a little shocking to me. I thought people would be just dumping piles on it, 
But if you look at GM3, right, and his last fight against Bruno, like Bruno's one of the hardest hitters in the division, and Bruno hit him with everything he had. And then GM3 was even able to rock him and then get the submission late in the third. Um, the play I like on this fight is the over 1.5. It's sitting at plus 105. They're giving you a little bit of value there on it. I think Joe Piper is going to be smart enough not to come in and try and rush him. Um, I think he knows the danger that's coming back his way. Um, you can also take Joe Piper minus 105 by KO. I think he probably does get it in this fight, but I think it's one of these fights that gets extended and he gets it in the later part of the second, third round. I think he's going to want to show his true set of skills in this fight. He's a super talented guy, and I think he's obviously going to be somebody who's great for the division. But as I said, I definitely see this fight getting the, uh, getting extended a little bit more than the odds makers seem to. I like it, gentlemen. I like it. We got some sharp breakdowns tonight. I'm getting jealous. I want to jump in a little bit more with you guys. All right, so we got next fight on the card. Short notice, we have Carl, Women, Carl, Carl Williams coming in, minus 475. 8-1-0, um, best bet at uh, DraftKings. You may want to correct me if I can, if you can find a better line. Chase Sherman, 16-11-0, plus 380 at DraftKings. Um, man, I mean, short notice coming in, that big of a favorite. I can see why pretty much we have Sherman, whose takedown defense isn't really that solid, and we have um, Williams, who's going to shoot the, at least five um, takedowns throughout the fight as well, too. Um, really, I don't have too strong a plan. This I think Williams does walk through him in this one. I know it is short notice. I know he just fought recently, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Williams as the pick. Is he a parlay piece? Maybe I'll let you guys sort of dig in with me and see if, if we can figure that out. But uh, Williams over Sherman. Sherman's boxing solid. Um, we'll be able to land that uh, land a couple strikes early and then probably have the volume a little bit early. But then when it comes down to it, he's gonna start to fade as he gets gas. Gassy is his punches become less and less. And uh, the takedowns are going to become, become more and more. If this gets extended, uh, he'll probably get finished at the end of the fight um, on the ground, if not decision by Williams. Um, take it away. Billy, what's your take on this one? Yeah, this is a pretty locky type of I – I hate to use the word lock in sports betting, but I'm not making this make mistake again. Carl Williams is by far the best parlay piece on this card. He's going to absolutely – I think he could absolutely run through Chase Sherman. I mean, Chase Sherman got submitted by Jay Collier in round one. And Carl Williams is out here wrestling a former Penn State wrestler that was supposed to be the shit on the contender series. I think uh, Carl Williams is going to make this fight look easy. I mean, you're, you're telling me him and Gilbert Burns is the same exact price tag? I mean, all lines are created equal, but uh, I'd rather so fade – Chase Sherman then fade Jorge Masvidal at the same exact price tag. I think Carl Williams is a great parlay piece, and uh, let's get into the let's get into the part where people make money. Uh, we all know that the minus five hundred is the obvious parlay piece, but I think the where you make money on this fight is uh, Carl Williams by submission. Um, by submissions plus four hundred. Uh, he's gotten I believe one career submission so far in his career, and. Uh, these are one of those type of fights where you have to put context clues together. He's never gotten a submission so far in his career, but he's getting takedown after takedown in these fights. Who's to say he doesn't slap the rear naked choke on the worst damn near heavyweight in the division, Chase Sherman? Um, if you told me that he got submitted in the first round, I would not be surprised. I think Carl Williams is a lot better than Jay Collier, and Jay Collier is able to get a round one rear naked choke. Um, 
So, so that's the prediction for this one's Carl Williams round one submission. And uh, Carl Williams plus 400 by submission is probably one of the best prop bets on the card this week. Yeah, it's a solid play, man. I think that uh, it, the play, it's going to take place on the ground where Carl Williams is going to be on top. It's going to be there most of the time. So submission is going to be there. I mean, when you're, when you're actually going to be, he's not going to be playing on the feet. He's going to be in dominant position. The, the next going to be there to be snatched up, and it's not a bad line at all. Nick? Yeah, I kind of have to agree, man. Like, there really is no value in taking Chase Sherman. The fact that Chase Sherman was favored over uh, Curtis blows my mind. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I think he gets this up too, man. I was looking at the prop a lot because, like, he's not going to waste his time at all in this fight. He's going to come in here. He's going to shoot a double leg. And this fight stays standing. He's making this fight closer than it needs to be. So, and Chase Sherman is notorious for having absolutely awful takedown defense. So, I think uh, Carl Williams comes in here, man. He's going to double leg his ass. He's going to be on the ground probably in the first minute. And like he does in most of his fights, he's going to curl up. And, you know, path of least resistance, man. If he puts his neck out there, why not take it, right? My question for you, Nick, is uh, are we getting too cute here by chasing the plus money at plus 450? Or is this going to be one of those type of fights where he ends up taking Chase Sherman down and, like you said, just top mount, ground and pound, and the inside the distance or the TKO prop hits? Because uh, Carl Williams by TKO is plus 200. So the odds makers think it's going to be a – a knockout from ground and pound. And uh, if one of those two results happen, I wouldn't be too shocked. No, for sure. Like, if you want, you can take the finish prop too. Like, I'm sure you probably get about plus 100 on it or something like that if you really want to go with it. But, nah, man, this is where we make our money. This is where legends are born, right? This is where, you know, you get the plus 800 on the first round submission. You know, you put that shit all over MMA Twitter, and that's where everybody blows you up, right? So... It's a I greasy think that's where, I fight. think that's where we quote picture this, man. The Carl Williams uh, round one submission for the podcast, man. Because uh, if that yeah. cash is through the ticket window, man, that's got to be a lot of plus money if the sub props are already plus 450 alone. I will talk that up definitely at the end, and I'll make that like a highlight thing with you guys talking about the submission for sure. So and that's what you got to do, man. You know, last week I cast Daniel Pineda by submission. It was like plus 900 against Tucker Lutz. Everybody thought Tucker Lutz is going to come in here and just ragdoll him, right? Nah, man. If you see something, regardless, you can never be blinded by it. If it's too good to be true, it probably ain't, man. Okay, next fight on the card we have. The one where I have pretty much a hot take on this one. We have not really a hot take, actually. I think everybody's on this one. Cynthia Calvillo, 9-5-1, plus 240 at B-Win. Lupita Godina is 8-3-0, minus 263 at Um, I mean, anybody who ever gives up on the stool, I can never back ever. There's just not a case where that's ever going to happen. I don't care how good you look in your following fights. It's just, I just can't do it. I can't ever trust that situation ever. So um, if we have Calvillo coming in, the biggest thing that she's going to bring to the table is her grappling. And the takedowns really aren't, I don't know if they're going to be there, to be honest. She's cutting weight down, coming down to 115 again. And she's going up against Lupi Godinez, who I think a lot of people are sort of fading at this line at minus 263 because she did get caught by Angela Hill. Um, but the one thing that I took out of that first round, and it's actually even Billy, your uh, your um, your buddy there, diehard, has, has sort of the same take on it. Lupi was throwing like some, some dynamite in that first round. And she was landing. She was believing in her striking. The only problem was she couldn't get a savvy bet, a savvy striker in Angela Hill out of there. 
And what ended up happening is she gasps. And I don't think that Calvillo is even close to the striking that Hale is. I think we all know that. And I think that Lupi's going to go in there and she's going to land some early shots, feel her striking, and she's going to get Calvillo out of there early. Um, I think this fight ends whatever way you want to look at it to be safe, whether it's fight doesn't go the distance um, or under or whatever line value that you see. I think Lupi gets the, the actual KO in this one. I think Lupi by KO is right now. What, what's the line currently sitting at? Plus 900. Plus 900. I think either way, you can make Lupi a, a parlay piece, in my opinion, on this. And I know that, Billy, I know that you had mentioned those minus 263 parlay pieces. It's, those ones are a little bit scary because it could go either way. But I think that Calvillo is showing us that she pretty much can't really hang when she when it comes down to it. When she's pushed back on her back foot and she's pressed and mentally she, she just seems to break. And I think that Lupi is just a monster. In and I know that she's had points where, you know, against Luana Carolina where she couldn't really coming in a short notice, going up a weight class, couldn't get the longer fighter down. And, and you know, it is what it is. She's trying for a single leg. Could, didn't really work up against the cage. But Lupi is the real deal. Uh, Mexican-Canadian national wrestler. And uh, we all know that uh, you might want to fade me when it comes to Lupi because I'm a little bit of a simp for her. But I'm more a simp for her style. I'm a simp for the fact that she was going to take those fights on short notice. She's a monster. Long diatribe, long-winded. Lupi Godinez is one of my plays of the week. I think she goes in the parlay unless you guys want to talk me off it. And I like her by K. Loopy, I have to agree on this one, man. It's just, it's kind of a tough spot for me because that Angela Hill fight was such a letdown where, like, I can see everybody sitting there with their tickets, like, thinking this is going to cash. And that was just, like, that one parlay ticket that didn't hit, man. It was almost as bad as Valentina whenever she screwed all of her tickets there, too. Like, it was just one of these fights that just seemed so easy that it just, it just did not go our way or her way. Um with Cynthia, man, like this is her first fight down in 115, I think since like 2018 or something like that. So I think the weight cut's a big thing to look at as well. I think that plays into your narrative that this fight could get finished too because she's notoriously had issues making this weight, which is why I believe she moved up in the past. And if she struggles to make that weight, man, that KO's even more alive than it was before. So I like Loopy. I like her volume. Um and I like that plus money, man, because at the price tag that she's at, there's no way I could bet it after her last performance. Really? I don't think I don't think I could bet Luke Godinez after her last performance, man. I know I know we tried not to bring recency bias into play, but she I cannot guarantee that Luke Godinez is gonna go out there for 15 minutes and go shoot for takedowns, man. Uh Cynthia Calvillo changed camps for this fight. Uh she finally left Team Alpha Male and she went over there to Syndicate MMA down there in Las Vegas. And I honestly think right now that Syndicate MMA is damn near besides the, the other Florida gyms are probably the nucleus of where all the MMA talents really coming out right now is out there in Vegas. I mean, maybe she's showing that shows signs that she gives a fuck about her career. She's changing camps, uh, got out of her comfort zone, and uh, she's getting good training and good work. Do I think that work is good enough for me to go to the betting window and bet Lupi Godinez? I mean, the bet against Lupi Godinez? I don't know, man. Cynthia Calvillo, only by decision, plus 350. I, I hate I, I hate to sound like the guy, but, I mean, I would want more, more plus money on it, man, and I want to bet the split decision. Uh, this is stay away fight for me uh i don't know if i'm getting too deep into it by not just parlaying lupi godinez at minus 300 we talked about carl williams uh earlier it could be just a lupi godinez carl williams parlay for the weekend but i'm, I'm gonna go a different route here though i just don't think lupi godinez is uh 
somebody I can trust on my parlay tickets. Uh, I like to know that somebody's going to fight for my money, and Lupe Godina uh, fights for her paychecks, not for your money. And I can respect the idea that uh, after that last fight, going up against someone like Angela Hill, Angela Hill, when she's a dog, you bet Angela Hill, right? She stays in fights. She's going to bang. She throws volume. She wins split decisions. Um, and I think that once Lupe got in there and she started to land, um, she got confident in that first round. I actually went back and watched that first round quite a bit. I watched it over and over again to see if I was like, if I'm trying to find something for the, the girl that I'm a big fan of, you know what I mean? Because I'm a fan of her. But I just think that she got, fell in love with her boxing. Leading into that fight, if you followed our Instagram, she was doing a lot of boxing. I think that she started to land, and she felt like she could actually get her out of there. And Angela Hill's got like a, a head like a brick. So it was poor fight IQ. Um, with the, I, the ROI I've gotten on Lupi, I'm willing to go to the window one more time with her, you know, and, and to give her the benefit of the doubt on the, the actual fight IQ on this one. Um, we'll see if we can get her into a parlay, but we all got to agree. That is the rule. So. Um, next fight on the card, we have Trey Ogden plus 285, 16-5-0 on DraftKings versus Ignacio Bahamandez, 13-4-0, minus 345 on DraftKings. And if you ever hear me just give lines on DraftKings, it's usually because I couldn't quickly find the lines anywhere else. So if you guys see something else, you let me know when you talk. Um, you know, Trey Ogden coming in, grappler. He was supposed to fight, uh, what was it, on the last card? Um, and they just put this fight together. He won his last fight against uh, Daniel Zellhuber by decision. He was actually a plus 310 dog um, in that fight, right? And I get that uh, Bahamandez is not Daniel Zellhuber, Daniel Zellhuber, but he does present some similar situations on the feet. And on the ground, I mean, Bahamandez is more of an opportunistic grappler in that situation. He's, a, he's known as just a striker, but he does have some, some submissions as well, too. Um, but for me, I, I mean, I'm on the Bahamandez side of this, but the line is, once again, way too wide. And I don't hate anybody for going up against somebody who's proven that he's a dog and, and been able to fight for your money in the past. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you take it away, Nick. Or actually, I'll let you take it away, Billy. You lead off this one. Trey Ogden, 16-5-0, and 0, plus 285 dog. Does he do it? Or does Ignacio continue his, his uh, move up the rankings? I feel like there's always line value on Trey Ogden after that uh, Jordan Levitt performance. Um, but I actually think Jordan Levitt is actually somewhat good. I mean, he came back in that Daniel Zellhuber fight, and he cost me a lot of my parlay tickets that week. And uh, I was a little bit – I was probably more than likely going to bet Trey Ogden against uh, Manuel Torres. But – that isn't the fight that we're breaking down. We're breaking down Ignacio Bonamondes, and I don't like this stylistic matchup for Trey Ogden here. Um, I really have a hard time seeing how Trey Ogden wins this fight. Uh, a lot of the reasons why I liked him against Manuel Torres is because I thought he had a better gas tank over 15 minutes, but uh, I feel like Bonamondes is a good gas tank. I mean, he trains with Bilal Muhammad. I mean, if you train below Muhammad for a living, I mean, your gas tank's got to be good, man. And he's learning day in and day out. Uh, one of those type of guys that I would say came into the UFC a little bit green, but athletically gifted, 6'3", 75-inch reach, 25 years old. I think we're going to see him get better and better each fight. And um, I actually just don't think Trey Ogden's that good. Um, I think he's an experienced veteran in the sport, and uh, he'll win a couple fights if you match him up with the right matchmaking. But this is bad matchmaking here. I feel like Bottomondes is going to win this fight. Am I going to the betting window to go place this one? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, looking at the inherent line right now, I just don't think Bottomondes at minus three fifty is parlayable. To be honest with you. No, and even with what you're saying, with Ogden sort of sitting there as the that dog that's done it before. It's just one of those things that's just, if it sits in the back of your mind, it's, it's not a parlay piece, man. 
um, most definitely. Nick? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Trey Ogden is the type of guy that's always live in his fights. He's got good boxing, man, and he's got very good grappling as well. Um, I definitely think Bahamond just wins this fight. His striking is something that's next level, especially Trey Ogden. You know, he's coming this fight short notice. Uh, I agree. Like, I don't understand where he can really win this fight. I think he probably gets pieced up everywhere. And then even then trying to find a pro play, right? It's like, does he, is he able to finish this fight? It's short notice. You know, you want to lean that direction. But Bahamund is this type of guy that doesn't necessarily chase finishes either. He had that crazy spinning kick over Roosevelt Roberts that was, you know, almost a highlight or one of the highlight, maybe even the best KO of last year. But that's only whenever these opportunities prevent, uh, present themselves. So I agree, like Bahamund is, but the money line's kind of, uh, it's a little wide, you know. You can't do much with that. Wide. Far too wide, and if we are going to look at a, a parlay piece, I would feel more confident in my 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 darling and, and Lupita versus um, Ignacio. So next, I got fight, a little bit of the sticker shot when I saw that price tag come out. Uh, it's been like within the last twenty four hours that the books have opened up the price tag. It was like Monday's minus three fifty. Man, I, I don't know, man. That just seems like. That's just said he was the first round, and I definitely think he wins the first and the third. So if I think a fighter wins the first and the third, I guess I got to bet him, right? That's fair. fair if Trey Ogden lands one takedown in the first round, I'll probably throw something just as like a live bet. Like if he just shows that he can potentially get a takedown at that price tag, you know, might throw a little something on it, but we'll see. The way this podcast is going right now, man, I feel like uh, we got a couple of dogs barking, man. Uh, we're not going for the plus 125s. I feel like all the dogs that we talked about in this card have been all plus money, like big plus money. So the way yeah, there's going spots, man, for sure. I, I like this. This is what I love. When you get more minds together, you find uh, cleaner and better spots. Everybody cleans out all the bullshit that you have in your own head about picks that you have, and, and you find the best ones. So next fight on the card, we have Shailan Nerdenbecki coming in against Steve Garcia. Uh, Steve Garcia, 13-5-0, and 0, plus 185 dog, best bet at cool bets. And Nerdin Becky coming in at minus 200, best bet at Pinnacle. And uh, we know what this fight is. This uh, Nerdin Becky, his last time he fought, he um, became a very huge favorite just before fight time and, and possibly one of the biggest scandals in uh, mixed martial arts. And Mr. James Krause, what a fall from grace that guy was. Um, but we don't need to talk about that too much. Let's talk about the matchup. We got Garcia coming in. This, this is going to be a banger. I, I'm interested to see exactly... If Nerdin Becky can actually land that big shot on Garcia, Garcia, dog, um, always in the fight, scrappy, a little bit higher volume. Uh, what you take on this one, Nick? Take it away. I think this line is crazy wide, man. Um, I like Shalon Nerdin Beckoff. Definitely a good fighter. But we all saw what Steve Garcia did to Chase uh, – what's his name? Chase Hooper there. Was it Chase uh, Hooper? It was Hooper. Yeah, yeah, where he just came in there, man, big underdog, and just pieced him up. Destroyed people's tickets left and right. Probably, like, the third fight on the card. Just, you know, parlays went out the window right away. If this fight stays standing, he's definitely going to win this fight, in my opinion. He throws a lot more volume. Shalon, he's a good fighter, man. He's just he's very slow, very methodical in what he throws, and volume isn't something he's big on. Where Steve Garcia is the complete opposite. Not very technical, throws kind of wild shots but throws with power, throws with heat, and gets directly in your face. So I think this is one of these fights that I would not parlay it. 
Um, I like it from a live betting perspective because you're going to find out real quickly within the first couple of minutes of this fight how this fight's going to play out. If Shalon's able to land a big shot, push him up against the cage, work towards the takedown, that's how I see that fight progressing as it goes. If uh, Steve Garcia pushes him away from the cage and just starts landing big shots and just starts voluming, uh, voluming him, then, you know, I see this turning in Steve Garcia's favor, so... I think the only caveat to the the Garcia Hooper um, win was Hooper just can't take a punch. Um, although although Garcia does have it in the hands, um, Hooper turns away as soon as he takes as soon as he takes a shot. If you can't get to the ground and get on your back, um, that kid cannot take a punch. Um, <laughs> it's true, but it is what it is. Billy, what's your take? I'm um, probably stay off the side for this one. I think uh, Nick hit the nail on the coffin. I feel like uh, Shyland at minus 220 is a little bit too wide of a price tag. But um, this might be the most square play on the card for me. But uh, I like the under two and a half minus 150 for this fight here. Um, I definitely think this is how the early prelims are going to start off with. I, I think this could be the first inside a distance fight. Uh, I see a lot of violence potentially in this fight. Feels like Steve Garcia is like. I'm going to go get a finish or I'm going to go die out trying. And uh, it's pretty much so far how his USC career has been. And uh, the reason why I say this feels like a square play is because my shot came out here and absolutely flatlined Steve Garcia. Um, feels like UFC was kind of in the back room thinking, uh, who can we give Shylan here an easy win? And they're like, uh, Steve Garcia is up for a contract. Let's go cut this guy. Uh, Lin, I think, has the ability to be able to knock Steve Garcia out pretty easy. I mean, he made it look pretty easy against Derek Minner. Granted, there was some controversy behind that fight, so I don't know how much stock I could put in that finish, but uh, maybe uh, we just bet the rig again under one, two and a half and uh, it cashes through the window again because I definitely think Steve Garcia has the capability of beating uh, – Shy Lan here. I mean, Shy Lan's also the same as that guy that got knocked out in round one by Zhu Rong. So uh, I could definitely see violence here in this fight. Minus 50 for the under two and a half, but the over one and a half is minus 160. So the odds makers are trying to make some money off this fight some way, somehow in the prop section. But it, hopefully I can outsmart him here and bet the under. Yeah, I don't mind that under. Don't mind that at all. What do you think about that play, Nick? Yeah, honestly, I think it hits because, as he said, man, like Steve Garcia, he throws bombs, but he also gets hit with uh, he also gets hit with them. He's just one of these fighters, man. Is kill or be killed. So, and Nerdum Bekov, if you let him land his shots, he throws with heat too. So, I like violence, man. I agree. Yeah, if you look at Steve Garcia, I mean, he's going to get hit a little bit. He does land about five strikes uh, per minute, and he's absorbing about three strikes per minute. So. We shall see. Last fight we'll talk about. We have the first fight of the night. We have Sam Hughes, 7 5 and 0. Oh, what am I doing here? Sorry, guys, one second. I think that is the right fight. Sam Hughes versus. Uh... Yeah, I'm just. Uh, yeah, okay, I did. I thought the, I got the record wrong there for a minute. I just wrote things down wrong. Okay, next fight, uh, next fight of the card and last fight to talk about. We have Sam Hughes, 7 5 and 0. Oh. Plus 215, best bet at Cool Bets. Jacqueline Amora making her UFC debut, 6-0-0. Oh oh, uh, best bets, minus 245 favorites at DraftKings. And when we have a minus 245 favorites coming in on a show-me spot um, in a debut, it's a little bit hard. But really, we have Jacqueline Amora, who's just 
mowed through her competition. Um, her last fight actually beating a uh, local regional um, and kickboxing champion, Ashley Nickel. But I mean, Jacqueline Morum, it's no mystery what she's going to try to do. She's very aggressive with every movement. Every movement's explosive, whether it's a strike, a takedown, a press up against the cage. Um, everything is very aggressive. Her submission attempts are aggressive. She looks to get you out of there early. And uh, I got to be honest, man, I think that one or two things happens in this fight. I think that Jacqueline Amorum gets in there early and she um, works Sam Hughes, gets her down and actually finishes her in this fight. Or she overexerts herself and um, doesn't realize the level. And Sam Hughes actually exposes it and catches her because she blows her load and gasses herself going into the second and third round. I, I think, honestly, man, although she is favored, I think um, Amorum finishes Hughes in this fight. And the, cop, the the sort of backdoor play on this one is, is Hughes live if Amorum just goes all in the first round, which she will do. Um, so I think that uh, Amorum gets her done um, inside the distance. I think this fight doesn't go the distance. I know I'm sort of on, on an island with this one, it being a show me spot, it being women's MMA, it being the first fight of the night. Not necessarily going to make it a podcast play, but it is something that I'm leaning towards as far as going to the window with. Um, fight doesn't go the distance. What's that currently sitting at right now? Uh, I don't see a uh, props out for this fight specifically. Okay. It's all right. We can when it goes. I have out, under two point five minus one ten. Yeah. Okay. So they're sort of seeing it too, and it's looking at what uh, Amorim has done in the past. Uh, but what's your guys' take on this one? I just uh, watched a lot of tape on Amorim when she had fought Ashley Nichols, so I was pretty in tune with her already. I think she honestly um, wins this one inside the distance. But what's your take on this one, Nick? Yeah, like, I definitely agree, man. Like, she's definitely – um she, but she's first round. That's what worries me, right? If you look uh, through her topology record and you look through her regional scene record, she's very, like, quick to go, gets the fight to the ground, gets the submission. But to me, it's just what does it look like if this fight gets extended? Because Sam Hughes is one of these girls that's notorious for coming in plus money and absolutely killing your tickets. So I like what you say, man. I think she probably gets this fight done, probably gets it done by sub. A little bit later, but you know, if you see her gassing at all, man, I would jump on Sam Hughes live. But it's a tough fight, man. Like, um, this is the first time the UFC has been in Miami for a very long time, hence why we see all these big name fighters. And there's only one debutante on this card, and it's this girl Jacqueline for a reason. This girl's the real fucking deal. Um, this is the only reason why I didn't like Lupi Godinez. I don't think all three favorites win, but I think this girl is very talented, man. It's very hard to tell how good her gas tank is, but still, those young Brazilians, man, they just keep on getting better and better and better in the UFC. I think the UFC knows what they have in their pocket here. American top team, she's going to feel comfortable at home. This is going to be too bright a lights for her. I like this girl, Yaqueline, in the parlays. I'm not going to put her up at the top because she's a debutante, but... I think the fact that there's one person on the card out of all of these fights, 12 to 13 fights, there's only one debutante and the girls are minus 245 over the 7 and 5 girl, Sam Hughes, who I think is a gritty fighter, but uh, she's definitely been beat by lesser competition before. This girl's legit. I mean, LFA is the feeder league straight to the UFC. She was the LFA strawweight champion. Uh, LFA doesn't give easy them and evicted they don't give easy fights to these girls uh they give them legit matchmaking they get them prepared for the ufc i think this girl's prepared for the ufc this isn't too soon uh she's gonna make this fight look easy if she got this done inside a distance would i be surprised no but i think sam hughes could be tough enough to uh survive the 15 minutes and just just be a what 
2018 every round. Like I could see this uh, just being just a 10 eight every round. And uh, we just all walk away with the parlay tickets cashing here. Uh, this is a great weekend for parlays. Um, and she will definitely be the fourth, the fifth leg on my parlays this weekend. Uh, I would say if I had to give you an idea of like where I'm thinking about the leading to the next topic for parlays, um, Carl Williams and Rojas Jr. minus 148 as a two-leg banger just to get you started off and then just go from there. What do you guys think about that? Me, bro, that's the one thing I know. You know what? I'm going to feel stupid because it's going to probably hit real simple. And, and when it hits, if, if I don't make it a play, it, it's going to just feel – it's one of those plays where you're just like, yeah, of course. Of course he did. Of course he did. it. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm overthinking it. it. That potentially is a play. I think, yeah, if we could find maybe either – two two-piece parlays or a three-piece parlay. I think that's the way to do it. But a two-piece is always nice. I, I sort of like that one. Uh, Nick, what's your thoughts? Yeah, honestly, man, that seems like a perfect parlay. Like, And, you know, you're not diving too deep into it because whenever you get big cards like this, right, you know that there's somebody that's going to screw it. So you don't want to put too much stock. You start putting three, four legs, and then it's, you know, where you really end up, right? You pick the spots you like. Minus 141, you know, you're getting pretty much – not you're not quite even money, but you know what I mean. But you're not paying super chalk on anything like that. So I like it, man. I think so. It's let's do it as we as we go down through the full list. We'll put them both in the parlay pool right now, and if anything else presents itself, it does. If it doesn't, then that will be the play. Um, I think that could be the move, though. Column is uh, have Carl Williams as your top little leg, and then if you like Lupi Godinez more than anybody else on the card then you put her as the second leg because that's probably the same exact price tag no matter if you switch out these fighters of rojas jr lupe godinez um gilbert burns like i feel like those would be the three two leg parlays that are gonna really hit and then you go from there because i feel like um nick hit it the nail right on the coffin i feel like like the over one, uh, the over two and a half in the Rob Font Adrian Yanez fight is pretty lock worthy. And then if you want to put the over one and a half maybe in the parlay with Carl Williams, uh, I know uh, a couple of people do that all the time. Put the over one and a half in the most confident fight that you think is going to go to distance and tie it in with your favorite money line. Uh, it's a strategy that I used to use a little bit, but I gotten away from. But I need to go back to so I stopped playing stupid ass people like Tucker Lutz. <laughs> yeah, over under sometimes have been burning us. We, we that was something that we would implore, like an over under that we're really, really adamant about, or that this is the one that's going to hit. Um, but it, we've been trying to stay away from over unders in the main event. Now, actually, that's actually potentially one of our plays. The fight doesn't start round five. I think Billy was a really sharp play on your end. It's the plus one hundred three there. Um, fight doesn't start round five in the main event. I think is a, a great spot too. The Rob fought Adrian Yanez over two and a half as a play. Um, and then we, if we look, Santiago Ponsdivia plus 220 is our dog. I think that's definitely uh, something that we look at. And let's look yeah, at – Yeah, I'll stick for that one, man, uh, for the Ponsdivia play because I was coming in a little bit hesitant about the Ponsdivia play, and then Nick kind of really confirmed the nail in the coffin. Yeah, we're fake. Like yeah, it. and it, stylistically it makes sense. I think that for the value and the money, I think it definitely lines up uh, – solidly so i think okay so let's do a two-piece so we got rojas jr and uh and you said carl williams as a play yeah i think that's going to be my two like parlay this weekend man uh so as long as everything great job let's build one more let's build one more maybe it won't be as a confident as parlay as that one um but let's do lupi godinez and let's pair her up with somebody as a, a second tier parlay uh maybe i'm really confident in joe pfeiffer i, I get that i get 
what Gerald Mearshart can present, but I think if you're hedging um, with him by – I think if you're parlaying that fight, you got to parlay no distance over Joey body bags. Yeah, one day. I know. You don't want to go against Mearshart. I get it. I understand. As far as just a, a case. So what, what do you guys think? What would be the second piece to Lupe Godinez? Uh, if you do fight doesn't go and uh, the Gerald Mearshart fight, that's probably value right there, man. Okay. I think that's Carly, bro. Carl Williams, no distance, GM3, Joey Body Bags, and Lupi Godino as, as the third leg. I think that yeah. catches you the window. Yeah, that sounds okay. perfect. Because I know we're going back and forth on a whole bunch of stuff. What I'm going to do is I'll um, I'll open up a chat either in probably in Instagram, and then we'll just reconfirm all the plays before I put them all out. But I think that we locked some spots in, man. I think that uh, we did service to each other in finding certain spots, and I'm glad that we didn't agree on everything. That's how you find the best shit. So um, definitely like the over two and a half. I think that's definitely possibly going to be the, the podcast play of the week. Uh, before we get on out of here, I got a quick question for you guys. Uh, yes, who do you guys think is going to be the uh, – what's going to be the fight of the night and the performer of the night on this pay-per-view event? Uh, a, lot of, a lot of Easter Sundays are going to be relying on this UFC card, man. Um, and you know Alex Pereira's Muslim, man. Hey, it's Jesus Christ's day. They're going to be fighting <laughs> on Easter on the day that Jesus is rising, man. I mean, I don't, it doesn't sound too well for the Muslim here. I mean, I, I think, oh, man, it's hard. I think the Giannis fight is obviously the front runner for fight of the night as far as what people are looking at. But I think Hallwin and Punch, maybe you could steal it. I think Masvidal and Burnt, I got, there's potential there for trying to see what would extend a little bit longer that they would call fight of the night, not performance. Um, that's a tough one, man. Mearshart can end up being a guy that that sticks it in with Piper. Piper beats the shit out of him. He sticks it in. They call it a fight of the night because it ends in some crazy. Somebody's getting fifty k bonus in that fight for sure. Um, yeah, it's a this is a hard card to really make those calls, but they probably is a lot more value because of that. Um, what do you think, Nick? I'm gonna take a long shot and say Steve Garcia versus Shylong gets fight of the night. Charlon comes out and just goes yeah, and just throws bombs. And Garcia just goes crazy. Because that's what Garcia does. I think we get a solid two rounds and they give him fight of the night. This this man's digging in the well. Okay. Can't pick the obvious ones. You know, it's, it's no fun if you just pick the obvious one. I'm going to go hot take, man. Fight of the night. Kevin Holland versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, we're all going to be sitting in our chairs thinking that Rob Font, Adrian Yanez is going to be the striker's delight, but it's really going to be Kevin Holland versus Ponzinibbio. We know Holland doesn't want to wrestle out there. His hands are already messed up. I think these boys are going to throw down, and uh, it's going to be uh, whoever can stand after 15 minutes, and uh, that I think that's going to be the fight of the night. We should get a prop bet for how often he points at his hand and says, my hand hurts, and goes like this. <laughs> Starts playing out his hand. I think uh, the better prop bet is what hairstyle Kevin Holland's going to come out with last time. I have never seen anybody in professional sports history come out with half cornrows and half afro and NBA <laughs> young boy as their walkout song. I mean, that was pretty thug of Kevin Holland last time. Yeah, that man, uh, what was he getting? He was on a podcast and he was holding um, a whale, a stuffed whale. I didn't even uh, actually watch the podcast. This, this man, he beats to his own drum. That's for sure. And, 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 and love no, no apologies, man. No apologies. I love it. Um, but yeah, I could see that definitely. Um, but I think performance of the night could be absolutely could fall almost anywhere as far as what would a finish be. I mean, if Rosas Jr. comes in and pulls off a crazy submission, 
they could possibly throw it to him as uh, you know, 18 year old feed his confidence, boost the kid more. Cause they would do that to, to get his name out there more as, as far as performance of the night that way. But I don't know, man, it's a, it's a tough one. I, th- I think, uh, I think you're, you're on with the fight of the night, but performance of the night could go anywhere. What do you think, Nick, performance of the night? Uh, once again, I'm going to dive deep on this one. I think performance of the night goes to Jacqueline. I think that she comes out and does what we expect her to do. Get Sam Hughes down, gets that submission quick and early. And I think UFC rewards her for it. Okay. I think Nick could be right, man. Uh, you know, Dana always loves giving those girls 50K when they get that UFC debut win, especially if it's inside a distance. Nick, I might I might have to go to the window with that one. That, I don't think anybody's going to the ticket window thinking Yaqueen's going to be uh, performance of the night. I'll tell we you, money, man. Left. I got things sharp. We got a couple of left field, sort, or not left field, but like bigger prop plays. But I think that potentially could be what is it, plus 400, you said? I think that potentially could be one of our bigger plus money um, plays of the night. So definitely some sharp ass spots. And it actually, honestly, really, um, it is exactly what I hoped for. Because I could have just sort of interviewed you live on IG and could have chopped it up a little bit. But I really wanted to get you and Nick and cross-section this fight card and have you guys really break this down uh, the way you just did. I think we found some sharp-ass spots. We will obviously potentially adjust them as the week goes on, but I will try to get this out. It should be up. Well, it will be up 100%, and obviously I'll delete this part. Wednesday, it'll be up tomorrow at 3 p.m. So from here, uh, Billy, we already know where we can, or at least uh, people who are in this realm and in this this uh, this space do know where we can find you, but uh, where can we find Billy Briz? Yeah, you can follow me over on Instagram at BillyBirdsDFS, over on Twitter at Getting Bills, and uh, all my content's done over there at Pub Sports Radio. We always put out free content for all the sports under the sun. So, uh, you know, we're grinding 365 days a year, and uh, we're just trying to get to a bag this weekend, man. Easter Sunday's coming around. Uh, families are going to be sitting around the dinner table, and uh, we're going to be true degenerates betting into the midnight of uh, the night before on MMA cards. But uh, I wouldn't want to have it any other way uh my mom asked me what i what am i having for easter what does she want me to get i told her mom i'm not coming home we're staying up here at the sports book i got a bag to make this weekend israel Asanya, hashtag and new all right all right i like it um okay man so for billy briggs for nick eagle eye i'm callum mcgregor um we like to line your pockets while lining ours we like to break down tape and enjoy the hell out of it while doing it once again rafi and stotts what do we do up here in Canada? Tune into this fight because I'm about to beat the at this kid, bro. Uh, I'm Rafian Stotts, Bellator champion, and tune into the Don't Tap podcast.